Hi, Aris. Hi, Emmett. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah, it's been all right. Yeah, what's news? Uh, not much. Uh, we did have an interesting incident happen last week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we shouldn't talk about this or it'll be boring. Well, what was the surprising incident? We had an earthquake. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I actually don't know if people were unsafe during it. I don't know. If people were, you know, if, if anyone was negatively affected by it, then I feel bad for that. But um, but I wasn't. <laughs> I mean, we're definitely, like, it was quite a bit of a weird, somewhat scary moment. I was really shocked because for the first five seconds, I thought it was just wind because it's been quite windy recently mm. and like sometimes like my house will shake because it's so windy you know because i i'm on the second level like sometimes mm. i'm just like oh it's normal wind and then it went on for like 30 seconds and it got rougher and it was <laughs> like oh this is this is not wind it was awesome i loved it uh it woke me up yeah me too it shook me out of bed oh it was so, yeah i flew out of bed it was <laughs> awesome i uh i was talking to a friend about it and he was saying that it was messed up that a thing i said which is that i have always wanted to be in an earthquake mm. but i don't think do you think that's messed up um i think it probably would seem insensitive to people that regularly suffer from earthquakes yeah or have suffered you know like yeah. no you don't want to be part of that but his thing was like no it's scary why would you you know that's messed up and i was like you know in it if it was safe i want to be in everything i want to be in an avalanche <laughs> i want to be snowed in where like you can't open the front door because it's too much snow oh the classic like when you open the door and there's like a like a the door shaped <laughs> yeah. yeah i would love that as long as i know i'm safe yeah yeah, yeah. which you don't is the, the problem with it i mean yeah. I, I, just, I would I say it. that, like, I was very... This sounds really bad. I'm sorry to anyone that was negatively offend, like affected by it, but I was definitely very intrigued, though I think my body was on like my body was like on ready mode for the whole entire day and i don't know oh, really? why yeah i was like ready to like what if it hits you again? like heart pumping yeah i was like there was so much adrenaline in me i was like a part of me at the back of my head was like oh what if i need to pack for like some kind of run or something <laughs> yeah i i started looking at the stuff of like do you or do you not go under a doorway which apparently you don't <laughs> apparently you just go outside now or you go under a table yeah yeah yeah. you don't want anything to fall on you yeah like you don't go in a doorway unless you really know that doorway is safe because you remember when, it, when we were kids it was just it was always like the door frame thing yeah 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 but i also think like you know it depends on how your house was made yeah but yeah, it was cool. It was cool. I just, I thought it was fun. I always like, you know, rare weather. Hail, I think is the best weather. I know literally now it's like, okay, it's episode six and we're now talking about the weather, but I like, I like it. Okay. I like hail. <laughs> it's I okay. It's we're fun. not, we're not a weather pop. Like, weather pod podcast. Oh my goodness. I can't even speak. <laughs> Welcome to the weather podcast. <laughs> A weather podcast is such a funny idea. <laughs> Every day there's new, there's new, it's like new. Oh, what are you listening to? Oh, I'm listening to the backlog of the weather. <laughs> oh, did you know that last week it rained? <laughs> oh, we could talk about like other countries and what they're experiencing. It could be, it could go, it could work. I've told you my app idea about the app that just tells you if it's raining somewhere in the world. <laughs> I like the idea. It's a very simple app, but I don't know how to make apps. This is another. I'm just throwing out an idea into the wind. Yeah, if someone wants to make that app, then Emma just needs like a credit. 
I don't want I don't want there to be any other extra features. I just want it to tell you yes or no if yes it is raining. <laughs> so what? It's just an app that has a yes or no thing. No 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 statistics, nothing. It's just yes yep. or no. But it needs to be true. It needs to be accurate. Okay, so it can't just be like a you press it and it'll just like 50-50. <laughs> well, yeah, I think the thing is, is that probably you would say all the time you would just say yes it's probably raining <laughs> but um i want there to be i want it to be connected to weather stuff just so it can r- literally tell you yes it is raining somewhere in the world and not like when i've told people this idea before they're always like you know oh but then you know so you'd you'd want to know when it's going to rain because you know then they can plan for it i was like no 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 no. this is just a is it raining <laughs> <laughs> they don't understand the app <laughs> So, listeners, we've got a, a new Grouch Cushions official app for you. Is it raining? It's <laughs> <laughs> the stupidest idea. I think I think I can come up with much more stupid ideas than that. But do you know what the worst thing is? Is as stupid mm-hmm. as I say it is right now. I would still use it. <laughs> I think it'd be comforting. Well, you could add more features in terms of like the only features you would do would have to be current stuff. So it would be like, yes, it is raining, and here is a, a you know a webcam of a city street where a it is webcam. raining. Webcam, okay, that's okay. You know, like you know, like um, you do, do like a like snow cams stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This would be like a snow a, a rain cam. <laughs> you know, is it raining? Yes. <laughs> here, here is where it's raining, and then you'd be able to listen to the rain. It'll help you sleep, I think. I like the sound of... Oh, actually, this... Oh, did I tell you about... So, okay, this, again, I'm not trying to sound like I'm advertising stuff, but I just like new features and things and describing them. There's a new feature on the new iOS where you can have background sounds um, that happen, like, regardless of where you've got... You know, you're listening to a podcast or something, there'll be background sounds, and so uh, you can drown more sound out. Uh, and one of them is the sound of rain. Mm. The most comforting feeling I found, uh, I was um, mowing the grass while li- listening to the sound of rain. Oh, that was that was wonderful. I really loved that. It was so relaxing, just feeling like, oh, is it raining? <laughs> <laughs> but I was mowing the, the grass, which you wouldn't do in the rain. Oh, it was just, it was really, really nice. And I would recommend it to anyone. Go out there and mow the grass while listening to the sound of rain. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess we should tell... What do you think of that, Iris? No comment. I, <laughs> I I don't feel the same. You've never mowed before. I've never mowed to the sound of raining. <laughs> do you find rain relaxing? Um... What do you find relaxing, actually? You don't seem like a very relaxed person <laughs> yeah my shoulders are like always in a knot and people always comment about <laughs> um what do that's i find the same relaxing? here actually <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't find i'm not like one of those oh yeah i like to fall asleep to the sound of rain it's very cozy i don't know like i'm one of those people that like sticks my legs out of the blankets um <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to know this. Like, I, don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I. I don't know. You and think... your double bed that you treat as a single bed. <laughs> oh my goodness! Because half the bed is covered in stuff. Hey, don't... that never moves. <laughs> <laughs> important storage space. Well, don't worry, Iris. The only people listening are people that know us. <laughs> what do I find comforting? Um. Oh, okay, this is really weird. But I find my computer fan very comforting. But this is also a 
very dangerous can of worms that I'm about to reveal. I know this is really bad. Please don't message me and tell me it's really bad because I know it's bad. I just do it anyway. But I don't turn off my computer ever. I just mm. turn off the monitor. <laughs> well, hopefully hopefully our listeners find your computer fan comforting too because I think they've been hearing in every episode. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I know I know it's bad. I know, just I know. This is just one of those things where we wouldn't have, you know, there's benefits and there's bad things about <laughs> recording remotely and uh, we weren't initially going to record remotely. But it's COVID and we have to. Yeah. But speaking of... Uh, I don't know, recording and episodes and making this podcast. This is, I guess, a very special episode or a very sad episode. Mm. You decide. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's pretty bittersweet, I would say. Like, I had a lot of fun making these. <laughs> we haven't said it's the finale of the season. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It might be, um, like you know, this might be the only season. It really depends on what, you know, if people like this or not. I hate thinking about that kind of stuff, though. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it becomes very businessy, which is, you know, horrible. Well, it was never our intention. I, I don't know. This is weird. It's a kind of bittersweet. Yeah, you're right. It's the end of it, the end of this season. And it's been a very uh, interesting season. Mm. We don't want to get too far into talking about how this is made, but it's just... Um, this is the last episode unless, uh, you know, like, I don't, I, I hate to have to say this, but I don't know, unless you like share it with people and people listen to it and people like it and people want more, we can make more out of it, but I don't know. So if you do like it, send, well, one, send us a message anyway, but if you, if you like it, you know, send it to someone else. Say, hey, if you want to make it feel like you're listening to two friends that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone listening actually doesn't know us. I'm sure we apparently got listeners in Germany, so, <laughs> you know, yeah. I... <laughs> I did see that. Yeah, though, and also I feel really bad that our um, demographic has been shifting away. It used to be predominantly female, and now it's predominantly male. Oh, is I it? I don't know what we've done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, recently, Iris, obviously, I watch a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. I recently decided to revisit a series of movies that I haven't watched for a uh, well since they were in the cinema. Because there is a new one coming out at the end of the year, I rewatched the Matrix movies. Oh, okay. Wait, what? <laughs> what do you mean, what? <laughs> is there a, is there a new one? <laughs> yeah, there's a Matrix Four coming out this year. <laughs> Why? <laughs> uh, one of the directors wanted to come back and go back and make it. Okay, okay, okay. So give me a moment. Um, we're just going to pause the podcast. So then <laughs> I just need to go watch the trailer. All right, we are back. Huh. Okay, I was not expecting that at all. <laughs> Do you... Okay, sorry. I'm just so shocked. Um, it was a good trailer, right? It was a good trailer. I think, like, well, for one, sorry to anyone that hasn't seen the trailer. I'm about to spoil it. I'm sorry. Okay, yeah, we're going to spoil The Matrix, which is, like, 20 years old. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I have no words. I mean, uh? like, the trailer-wise, I will comment on the trailer just because I'm trying to scramble my head for information of the matrix and i feel like it's been so long since i've watched it that i don't really think about it no one remembers anyway so the trailer i i don't know why but i forgot that keanu reeves was neo so (laughs) when i 
watched the trailer. So tra- you, you really forgot everything about I, the Yeah, Matrix. I did. So <laughs> as soon as I opened the trailer, I was like, oh my goodness, it's John Wick. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. Oh, wow, it's it's Bill and Ted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, it's John Wick and like Neil Patrick Harris has like, he's there. I don't I, what is going on? Okay, I'm just so confused. Like there's, mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of Easter egg references that are flying past my head. And there's a lot of, oh, I should know this, but I have no idea what's going on. When I was watching it, I totally forgot which color pill he took. So I didn't, <laughs> like, I looked at, I was looking at the blue pill and being like, I'm so confused. I don't remember which color he took, but I'm, I'm assuming that it's a blue pill now. Um, as in, I'm assuming the blue pill is the one that keeps you in the matrix. Yeah. And then there are, like, there's just a lot of things that, like, there's Trinity, but, like, I, I forgot what she looked like. Cause I was, so when he was all like, oh, have we met before? I was like, who? Who who are you? Oh, okay, wow, yeah. So so you really you ha- have you seen the Matrix? <laughs> I I have seen the Matrix and I I think I only remember the first movie, nothing of the second movie, and I remember the ending of the third movie. That's literally all I know. Wow. I don't know why I don't remember them. Well, I think it's just I mean it's I think it's partly that it came out they came out a really specific time for us our ages like like when the Matrix 2 and 3 came out, I was uh 11 maybe 10 or 11 and so i thought they were really cool and enjoyed watching them though i remember leaving matrix 3 going like that sucked that was terrible and not wanting to watch it again but um mainly watching for the action Mm. and and not taking in any of the story which they're literally saying to you in the film like it's not stuff like like the matrix i've always thought as being like a thing of like people picking up on the lore outside of the films and stuff but no there's stuff there's specific things they directly say to you in the movie that watching it again was like it was like a mandela effect i, w- I was wondering like when did the matrix movies change when did they suddenly get these stories <laughs> in them it was really weird it was like wait wait so that's what that scene was about like the scene with um the architect in the room with all the TVs. You remember that scene? Is the architect... You remember how that looks, right? Uh, like, I feel okay. like The Matrix has got all these, so many iconic shots in them that are just, they were immediately referenced and used all the time and and kind of everyone can recognise so, so much of The Matrix. Yeah, so the issue is, I think I remember the scene. This is an interesting thing. So I might actually not be remembering the scene, but I might actually remember... I might be thinking of something that is referencing the Matrix. I don't actually remember. Yeah, because that scene was referenced in lots of stuff. That was in like scary movie. And things, yeah, yeah. You know? I can definitely picture what the you're room with about. the TVs. Yes. Yeah, and so that's in the, it's in that scene that the the architect character just flat out says to Neo, "Yeah, this is the sixth time we've been doing the Matrix, and you're the sixth Neo." Wait, I was like, what? what? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Wait, I don't. Okay, I. I don't remember that. I thought yeah. Neo I thought Neo was trying to break the cycle. Yeah, and so this this same thing has cycled many it's not just like the cycle, you know, existed, you know, until Neo. Neo is part of the cycle. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm gonna explain the matrix now. <laughs> what if I try to explain the matrix? <laughs> okay, explain the matrix to me. What's the matrix? Um, okay, so the Matrix is this thing that um, robots have taken over the human race and mm-hmm. all the humans live inside a virtual machine and then they just live their normal lives in this virtual machine and the robots harvest the energy. Yep. Um, yep, that's the Matrix. Yeah, and then 
uh, Neo is like a worker. He's like an office worker at the day and a hacker at night or something. Mm-hmm. Age old tale. Office worker by day. Yeah, by classic, night. classic, classic. Some hack by <laughs> night. He like <laughs> he finds this code or whatever, and he. I, I honestly I don't remember what happened, but he I. I remember that he sees a cat, and but there's two cats. It's like a cat and then another cat. So you, you've now skipped to almost the end of the movie. <laughs> no, 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 no. Is it this, yeah. No. No, the deja vu they see it is, is really near the end. No way. No, this is one. No, there's it's like in the second a, half. Really? I thought yep. he like, I thought there was a cat and then he sees another cat and then someone goes, calls Whoa, him. Whoa, deja vu. What? No way. And then they go, they go what? <laughs> what? I thought that was at the start when like and then and then someone calls him on the telephone and tells him to go somewhere. Nope. That well that happens at the start. There was no cat? The cat is at the end. Oh or in the second half. Okay, I'm so confused. Anyway, um he takes the red pill and then he's out of the simulation and then they train him in this like ninja simulation place and he basically now has the ability to to manipulate the the virtual reality. Um <laughs> But then there's like an agent who is the guy from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, Hugo Weaving. <laughs> um, and then he like they like they don't get along. Cause <laughs> um, that, that is the best understatement I've ever heard. And then um, the robots are like actively trying to figure out where they are or something. So they're moving from base to base. And then, like, there are other people that have come out from the Matrix. and But then some guy, one of them is like, nah, I, I want steak. And he betrays them. And then, like, all of them get shot down. Cypher, yep. Yep. And then, and then there's the iconic, like, gunshot in bank scene or something where yep. they're all, like, slow-mo dodging, which is, like, referenced everywhere. And I don't remember what happens. Oh, no. Um, uh, what's his face? Uh, other guy was kidnapped. Morpheus. Morpheus was kidnapped. And then... They get him, and then um, Neo jumps off a rooftop and catches a helicopter. Is that is that a, did that happen, or am I like picturing like Mission Wait, Impossible what? or something? <laughs> um, no, no. Uh, Morpheus jumps out of the building, and Neo catches him. Is there a while helicopter? hanging off a helicopter? Okay, okay, okay. Same, same thing. Whatever. I don't know what happens after that. I think like they go. I don't know back. if you know what happens before it. <laughs> and then, uh, um, and then um, uh, Neo is asked if he wants to be part of the matrix or something. I don't really remember, but then I remember he flies off into the sky. Yeah. And then okay. I have no clue what happens in the second one. And then the third, uh, and then I, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> um, what I'm going to do is, uh, yeah, well, cause I always, I don't know if anyone notices or anyone uses podcast players that have chapters in them, uh, I, but I put chapters in. I'm going to have a chapter that says Iris explains the Matrix and then I'm going to have a chapter that says Emmett explains the Matrix. So, okay. And I mean, just skip if you if you don't want to hear about the Matrix. <laughs> if it's the last episode, who cares? I mean, um, so pre the Matrix, pre the movie, okay? You've got, you know, the humans and, and, and machines war and the humans decide to, you know, blot out the sun so the machines can't get any power. So the machines, to get power... They start harvesting humans, yeah? And they grow humans and put them into the basically these battery machines. The humans live their lives in this simulation called the Matrix, which is where we are right now. And the machines use the power from that, just, you know, the power from humans. With a, well, I think they say in the movie, they go, 
with a special with or with a form of fusion which is like the best like movie line i love when movies talk about fusion because it's just like oh this is the uh the way we get power button so the thing is the machines wrote the matrix it's a program as part of that program there's flaws in it which is like you know they, they try they they have tried to fix it and they can't fix it one of the flaws basically means that some humans can reject the matrix and basically break free and the humans that have broken free they then you know learn the truth about what's happened and then they basically form like a resistance in the real world in a place they call zion do you remember zion I do. It was a ship. No. No, it wasn't? No, Zion's a place. Uh, the thought, ships. Oh. The, the ship, like the ship that Morpheus is on is the Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, then... I thought, the sh- oh, I thought the Zion was one of the ships. And no, yeah. It's like a whole like underground system. Right, right. Um, and so the humans have all congregated in Zion and they're getting prepared for like, you know, oh, there's going to be a war. We're going to have a, a war for Zion because the machines are trying to, you know, get into Zion and kill everyone they've basically Morpheus puts all his hopes into Neo because he's like oh Neo you're the one the one that will be able to stop this and fix it all uh they're doing all this stuff you know running around doing stuff trying to figure things out Part, partly the thing with the, the one is that Neo is able to yeah he's able to figure out that he's able to kind of figure out the matrix and manipulate it heaps heaps more than other people can and that's why he can do things like fly mm-hmm. and so in the second movie it's like they're doing this whole thing about how they're preparing for uh, this this coming war that's going to happen. And then at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, Neo gets to this room with all these TVs and the architect there. And the architect is a program and he tells them, he tells Neo basically, yeah, this has happened heaps of times before. You've got a choice right now. You can restart, reboot the Matrix for everyone and we will, the machines will get into Zion and they'll kill all the people. Um, but it means that if we re- if you do that, we'll we'll let you reboot the matrix and start over again and have some new people be free and you can start Zion again. He was saying basically this whole Zion thing, this whole like human uh, resistance thing, is basically the machines knowing that there is a flaw in the matrix and basically allowing the humans to herd themselves together so they can kill them and restart. Wait, so then all of them die, including Neo? Yeah, and he was saying that that's happened five times before. And he was saying that basically the the choice that Neo has is a choice that the previous five The Ones has made, which is to reboot the Matrix and allow the machines to kill the currently free people in Zion because it means humans get to keep living. Neo's other choice is basically don't do that and don't reboot the Matrix and it, it means that the humans might die out and it means that they might never... It, it means that this this might be the time that they die out for good, yeah. Mm. So Neo chooses that. So he chooses to potentially have humans die out for good, and then in the Matrix Three, oh, it's a whole thing. Wait, that's you know? not that's not the end of the Matrix. That's the end of the Matrix Two, uh, and then there's a the third movie. It's it's bizarre. There's so much story I in these movies. Do not remember that yeah. whatsoever. And 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 yeah. So like so sp- basically like it's. Mm, the first movie is the movie that spends maybe the most time in, in The Matrix. And then the second and third movies keep spending time in the real world. And, oh, yeah, at the end of The Matrix 2, Neo realizes he has powers in the real world too. What? Yeah. Okay. He, they come I... across machines come and fly at them and he puts his hand out and he makes the machines die using his hand and he's in the real world and he's real just man. Okay. Um, 
that I definitely don't remember that part. <laughs> and then he goes into a coma, and then the third movie starts, and he wakes up out of his coma. Oh, yeah, and so Agent Smith, who's the, the agent, the thing with the agents is that they are... Um, they're programs in the matrix that are basically designed to kind of like try and find people who are like rebelling against it and you know kill them they're they're kind of there to prevent people from getting free at the end of the matrix one neo blows up agent smith in the matrix two smith comes back and he's because he's got blown up he's disconnected from the matrix and so now he's basically a rogue program he's like a virus he's not an agent anymore He's not connected to the Matrix. And so he just starts grabbing people and cloning himself into them. And then he clones himself into a real person that wakes up in the real world and it's Agent Smith is now in this guy's body in the real world. Wait, as in, like, he finds one of the... Um, one of the... The, the red-pilled people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he clones himself into him, basically inhabits his mind, and then gets taken out of the Matrix. What? Yeah, I know. And then... Because <laughs> I do... Okay, so I do remember that Smith clone... Like, Smith becomes yeah. everyone. I remember that scene. But I did not remember him making it out into the real world. So the end of The Matrix 3 is Smith has ruined The Matrix by cloning himself onto every person in The in the Matrix. So Neo goes to the machine's city and says, Hey, you guys got to let me... Um, you guys got to let me go in there and kill Smith. Otherwise, the Matrix is ruined and everyone will die. So what we need to do is I'll go in there and kill Smith and then you can. I'll let you reboot the Matrix. So the machines kind of win again in the end. What? I know. And so the, at the end of the Matrix 3, the Matrix gets rebooted again and Neo dies. And, and there's a whole there's a conversation between... The, I don't know if you, you, you remember the Oracle... The Oracle and the Architect basically argue, like saying, like you know, hey, you better let those humans be free if they want to. And he goes, yeah, I guess. The Oracle is also a program, but she's a program that was made to design to understand humans, and so because of that, she's actually on human side, even though technically she's not a human. Okay, I don't remember none of that. All I remember from the third movie is Trinity dies, and then the sun is out. Oh yeah, so the the sun is out at one point when. <laughs> There, they basically because you know how I, I mentioned it, the the humans had blotted out the sun. Yeah. Because the the earlier machines had been running on solar power, and so they basically put they say nanites into the air that basically just make it all dark. There's a bit where they fly above the clouds, and it's just like oh, it's sunshine above. Like you kind of forget that the real world is the real world. Mm. There's a really cool, tiny little moment, and yeah, Trinity dies. So now, Iris, I guess we have no one listening to this episode. <laughs> so we can talk about whatever we want. I just thought it was... Um, are you surprised how much story there was? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like I must have blocked out everything that I remember from The Matrix. But I also didn't watch The Matrix in the cinemas. I watched it in my mid-teens. But I guess I don't remember anything from my mid-teens now. Yeah, I... Uh... I remember seeing the third one in the cinema and I guess I just, I didn't get it and I hated it. And it makes perfect sense that it's something that watching it again, I'm loving it because uh, it's a, what, early 2000s trilogy with um, questionable CGI <laughs> that everyone decided was bad. Does that sound like something to you? Yeah. <laughs> and I love the Star Wars prequels. So <laughs> <laughs> the, the interesting thing is that like, I feel like I 
may not remember all of the immediate Matrix scenes, but I feel like I know enough of it because it's been so heavily referenced everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, I guess the fourth one is going to be a seventh version of the Matrix. And I guess Neo and Trinity, like, somewhat remember what's going on. Are they back in the system? Like, I thought they died. It looks like, yeah, they both died, but I guess they're back in the system. It's, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's uh... exciting. I'm excited to watch it. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, I, I like, well, I've talked before about how I just like when, I like I like when people who, don't think like other people get given big blockbuster budgets it's like george lucas you know he doesn't make movies like other people do and so i really love when he makes a movie even when it's bad just because it's it's so exciting because blockbuster huge blockbuster movies are usually so designed by committee that like you know they they're good to the point of boring whereas a boring movie made by someone who's kind of almost confused about what they're doing or they've got like a very specific idea about what they're doing i think that's kind of fun like uh and so the matrix movies they it's it 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 really feels like it's like these um the the directors got thrown so much money after the first movie that it was like oh wow these are these are really wild rides (laughs) do you think that um the writers slash directors knew the story of part two and three when they were making part one or do you reckon they were just given a budget and they were just like uh what about this um how about this and uh let's connect this and this i don't know because i feel like they must have because there's just so much going on and they they had a really busy year the year that two and because two and three came out within six months of each other whoa okay yeah um and in that same year the do you know about the animatrix no. So the Animatrix is a directive DVD, basically collection of anim- anime shorts that that are set in the Matrix world, and so two of them are like telling you the story of you know what happened during the humans and machines war, you know, and all that stuff. And it's 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 it's. I mean, I think overall it's pretty boring, but um, but a couple of the shorts are pretty cool. But like that, so so that came out the same year. So that's basically three movies that year plus. They made while they were making Matrix Two and Three, they filmed all the cutscenes and wrote the game Enter the Matrix. Do you remember that game? I remember the game. No, I I didn't play the game. I remember the demo. I think so, so that game, the cutscenes were just basically scenes of the Matrix movies, uh, specifically for the game. Like they made them on set, and so just they had the busiest year ever. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, and then it's it's only one of them coming back to make uh, the fourth movie. So it, it's just it's very interesting. I'm 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 excited to see it, uh, and know, and it's kind of like I'm excited to see. You know, we're in kind of a bit of a, people talk about how we're in like a reboot culture at the moment, and you know, it's kind of like we're we're getting new movies, you know, sequels to movies that came out 20, 30 years ago. It's just fun to now see. It's like. Oh, just applying that same theory of people that make movies that are very different to other movies and now doing that in within the kind of reboot blockbuster thing. Mm. I think it is very interesting because I feel like I almost think that there are like there are a lot of um honestly in my head there's one specific movie that I could think of, but there are a lot of movies that have sequels that I feel like were bad, <laughs> but given time probably would have been a bit different. Yeah. Well, the one that I'm thinking of the top of my head is Donnie Darko. Oh, my God. Where the sequel was like, uh, 
I definitely think you needed time to create a sequel. This is not what I wanted. Well, I think that's kind of that. That's like an unsequelable movie, though. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But I feel like I don't know. I just think in my head, if there was to be, let's just pretend that Estaku doesn't exist. But if there was to be a sequel, it would be interesting if it was a movie made in modern times in that universe. So what you just because the thing is you'd have it doesn't have to be about Donnie. Because you can't have Jake Gyllenhaal, but then, but then, what's the point? I know, the movie's called I know, Donnie Darko. Know, it may think- as well be called Jake Gyllenhaal the movie. <laughs> I'm thinking about it now, and I'm like, I don't even know what I just. The said. only way you could do it is by showing yet another timeline in that, because th- that movie shows two timelines. Yeah, but spoiler obviously, alert. <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> but obviously you can't because Jake Gyllenhaal is, you know, older. Yeah, I guess you could show him being old now. Yeah, I mean... But then what's the point? Just make a different movie. I and know. also, I they're not going to make a sequel yeah. to Dottie Darko because it's not something that will make any money. It's true. Like, who's going to be... Oh, yeah, wow. We, oh, i got to go see this Donnie Darko 2. <laughs> but D- I, did you know that Donnie Darko 2 already came out? It was called S. Darko. <laughs> but if S. Darko didn't exist and Donnie Darko 2 or whatever it would be called in whatever age it is considered now... I feel like Donnie people. Tuka. <laughs> I feel like people would be interested, and if it's a yeah. bad movie, it's just whatever. It's just a joke movie. The problem is though, is that um, it's just such a funny example, Iris, <laughs> because because also that director hasn't made anything good since. It's like he barely made Donnie Darko good because if you watch the director's cut of that movie, it's way worse. Oh really? So it's like. All of his ideas are just. <laughs> I think they're bad, and so it's like it's because usually it's like it's like you can kind of get people to be rally for a reboot if it's like oh the original person is coming back and they've got a strong idea. Mm. But with that, it's like oh I don't I don't want him to come back <laughs> with a strong idea. It's sort of weird because I feel like Donnie Darko did such a weird thing at the time but it also just like it's weird because when i think of the movie all i can think about is the song mad world i don't know why like <laughs> it's just like mad world is like also a very iconic song that is so yeah that is so just related to that movie in such a strong way and gears of war <laughs> yeah i feel like it was almost weird when it was played in gears of war because i remember hearing it when i was playing gears of war and thinking oh this is from donnie darko <laughs> i never got into those gears of war games uh it was an interesting game i will say that i mean i don't think the person that i played with is ever listening so it's fine but um i was terrified and i don't know why i think it's because i'm like not very good with those kind of enemy graphics so i was just really freaked out for the whole entire thing and it's not that i'm bad at shooters i just was like so freaked out (laughs) so i was like hiding behind npcs but also there were like lots of very dark themes that i was quite nervous about i think okay iris hypothetical Uh uh-huh you get I don't want to say God talks to you, but like uh, a, a a higher power in the universe speaks to you, okay? Uh-huh. And they say, Iris, you have to make the choice here. You're not going to make this movie, but you get to make the choice right now about what movie gets made. This movie will be made, and it's another Back to the Future movie. And they're saying, you've got the choices. Do you say that they're going to remake Back to the Future, or are they going to make Back to the Future 4? starring Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd, again, reprising their roles, or they're going to do a reboot 
of Back to the Future, where it's like Back to the Future 4, but instead of them being the main characters, it's their children. This is a tough one. Okay, so <laughs> I... You must have asked me because you know that I love Back to the Future. Yeah, um, it's the best. I yeah, love Yeah, it's Back the, the best future. movies. Um, <laughs> I, oh, I don't know. I feel like I want to say remake because I want to see Back to the Future in like 2020-whatever-year 20, 20 graphics. Like I want it to look like mm-hmm. this actual like but- crazy graphical cyberpunk thing that it could have been but with that they're remaking back to the future one and it's set now and they only go back to the year 2000 (laughs) (laughs) it is yeah like obviously they would have to change the like i guess it'd be 90 yeah they would have to change the time it wouldn't work right no it wouldn't that's the thing it wouldn't work because it would ruin i think the best choice is back to the future four yeah um, see here's the thing right is that in my head i just want to disregard the telltale games <laughs> yeah 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 so disregard the telltale games and that is back to the future 4 yeah and you're doing a new thing and it's back to the future 4 yeah w- okay. would you say that's it or would you say remake or reboot oh my goodness it's so difficult i don't know because like <laughs> oh it's like, you don't want the story where it's following new people right no i mean no no it's not that i don't want the story to be following new people it would i don't mind if it follows new people but i feel like the original characters would have to have a huge role yeah they need to like actually be, this is so stupid i'm sorry this is so stupid <laughs> hypothetical i just love the back to the future and i think about it a lot about like when i was a kid i was like oh man i wish i got another back to the future movie i knew there was the back to the future cartoon Saturday morning cartoon show. I just feel like growing up, I didn't realise how much of a big influence Back to the Future had in my mindset for so long Mm. until I had an argument with someone about how time travel would hypothetically work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because you you really stick to the um, really flawed Back to the Future time travel. No, 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 no. It's because... I I love (laughs) time travel Back to the Future. I love how stupid it is. No, it's because I think that like i don't okay so the thing is i don't mind because we don't okay i'm gonna say that that we none of us know if time travel works and if it does we don't know exactly how it is i just think it's really important that someone references how they think their system of time travel works and then they continue their train of thought but they can't like just jump Hmm. and be like i'm gonna take this idea and this idea no, stick to one reference point. Wow, you're really strict. <laughs> no, it's just because it breaks the whole entire like ideology behind. People get so funny about time travel. <laughs> Wasn't there like a thing ages ago about how um, they wanted to have like a time travel party and then no one showed up? <laughs> yeah, I think it was um, Stephen Hawking. He put out an invitation to a party after the fact. Ah, unlucky. But maybe people just didn't want to go. <laughs> they didn't want to hang out with Stephen Hawking. But personally, I think you wouldn't be able to... T- okay, I don't want to get into the whole thing about time travel, but <laughs> <laughs> but um, I personally think that if time travel hasn't been invented yet, then you wouldn't be able to go back to earlier than it was invented. Oh, that's interesting. I think it would, it would have to be basically the moment that the box is on, that's the earliest you can go to. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I don't could, know. Be, it could be Who a knows? one-way thing. It also could just be that it looked like in Back to the Future and you go mess stuff up and then you start disappearing. <laughs> But your kids are going to love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, going back to, because we're definitely 
deviating. Uh, but going back to The Matrix, I just wanted to point out that... That was a line in the trailer. Is it? Is, doesn't the guy say, uh, going, doesn't Jonathan Groff say, like, go back to where it began, The Matrix? Oh my gosh. Jonathan Groff from Frozen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. That's right, that's right, that's right. Anyway, sorry, I just, like, sidetracked. I think it is quite strange that The Matrix came out and then a year before The Matrix came out, The Truman Show came out. Because they're kind of similar in like their philosophies. Yeah, but neither of them copied each other. They just happened to be similar and they happened to come out at similar times. I think that concept is very interesting. Yeah, that's interesting as well because they're not, they're kind of, um, they're pretty different movies. <laughs> Mm. You know, but in a way, yeah, I understand what you mean about how, like, yeah, someone realizing that the world they're in is not real. Mm. It's like they've taken an idea and two directors have gone to two different routes with where they want to go. I think that's very interesting. Mm. There's a movie that just came out. Uh, it's on Disney Plus called Free Guy, the Ryan Reynolds movie. Oh, I've seen a trailer of that. Uh, I just watched it. It um, It's kind of like that Truman Show Matrixy thing as well of, yeah, a character realising they're not, the world they're in is not real. Mm. Um, but they're also not real. So that's another thing on top of that. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was all right. But um, uh, yeah, that's 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 because I, I wouldn't I would never have compared the two, Truman Show and The Matrix. They wouldn't spring to mind Mm. i mean i only know this because we studied the truman show in high school (laughs) yeah you've got truman show disease don't you oh i just i think about it a lot (laughs) (laughs) i have thought about that of like oh but what if they are but it is it's the most selfish thought it's the most like like oh i must be the most like (laughs) important person in the whole world if everyone is faking it for me yeah well it's it's kind of interesting thinking about it okay i'm not i don't really know to be honest because i haven't i obviously haven't looked into it but i'm gonna assume (laughs) that both of them were quite okay in the box office uh yeah i think they both made a lot of money so i what i'm like thinking is like if those movies came out now in (gasps) let's say let's say there's no covid and we can all go to the cinemas if those movies had just come out in today's society would they still be as interesting? I mean, they would be interesting. Well, I think that's kind of almost impossible to think about because they're both so kind of important movies. Like, yeah. like we, like I can't think of what cinema would be like without The Matrix it at is this true. point it is because true. they so heavily affected things. But Iris, what if they made a sequel to The Truman Show? <laughs> I don't think they can. That's the thing. Like, what if they did? They're showing what his life is now. Oh, I feel like it would just be... I, I don't know. I feel like it would be one of those, like, trauma movies. Yeah, it would be a trauma thing. He'd be, like, in... Well, actually, it might be just, like, The Matrix Resurrections where he'd be, <laughs> uh, you know, having he'd therapy. Yeah, he'd be like, maybe I want to go back in the show. It is, like, a weird thought. I wonder if that was, like, what was in. What do you mean? Like, was that, like, a topic that was created because that was like the in topic and therefore this was like a movie as a response kind of thing the thing of like questioning your reality yeah yeah i wonder i I don't know i was too young i mean i'm I'm only a baby i don't think we (laughs) questioned our realities when we were that age Mm, we shouldn't (laughs) it's sad but yeah i wonder but it seems like it's it's kind of a timeless idea right I mean, you know, I don't. I'm. It's too late, and I'm. I'm too tired to think about like, you know, like thinking to philosophers and stuff. But like the ideas of like, I think, therefore I am, and stuff like that. That that is questioning reality. So I guess it's related to that. 
but I guess it's in movie form, which you know, like you know, it's it seems like in a way, you know, oh, so many movies have been done, like oh, so there's no original ideas, but movies have only been around for like a hundred years. Yeah, because before that, it would have been theater. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't really know that much about it because I wasn't a theater person growing up. But I'm assuming <laughs> that like literature was probably quite limited in terms of what can become theater from literature. It kind of depends, but there's a lot of theater that has a you know goes into a lot of philosophical stuff. It doesn't have to be that it was adapted from literature, but um, you know, there's a lot of plays that really go into questioning the nature of that stuff and. You know, I, we don't have to go into that. <laughs> but um, that is interesting to think about. Like, I mean, you know, maybe there was a radio show that was like The Truman Show. Mm. Uh, have you ever listened to, you know, the um, you've heard the story about the War of the Worlds radio broadcast? I have, actually. Where it was presented as if it was real, like it mm. was, as if it was a real news broadcast. I listened to that. It's a great story. And I listened to, uh, I found the actual show and listen to it it was fantastic it was really still i mean still amazing to listen to oh i just i love that idea it's the kind of big tricking people and it's happened a few times there's a great radio lab podcast episode about the few times that it's happened that people believed what was going on Mm, i remember someone recommended it to me after i said that i liked the welcome to night Vale podcast oh yeah welcome to night Vale creeped me out i couldn't listen to that yeah, because I, f- I remember, like, thinking, oh, my goodness, what if that stuff is real? And, like, mm. it's actually happening somewhere. And this is not, like, a fictional podcast. It's actually just someone's cry for help. <laughs> Imagine if any podcasts were, were real. Imagine if Serial was about real stuff. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I do, I do like, I think there's, we're making a podcast right now. I think there's a lot of room for podcasts to be able to do stuff in that kind of real semi-real way i've got a few ideas for, th- for things actually about that but well, they're not stupid ideas so i'm not going to give them out on <laughs> air <laughs> well i think it's an interesting concept because i do feel like where we're going we're shifting towards that kind of model like as much as it sucks to say but i do think eventually podcasting will be so convenient that other sort of media might eventually start to dwindle i think the oh kind, yeah you yeah. think podcast is going to keep growing and growing and growing i don't know if it's going to keep i don't know if this current platform of podcasting will continue to grow but i do feel like convenience will always be the way to go hmm. if that makes sense i think the whole entire concept of podcasting is that like the whole hit pause whenever you want and then press play when you want download wherever you are and it's on your phone it's on the go it's on your computer i th- i feel like that makes everything so convenient and so accessible whereas like live on air obviously is great because there's interaction but it's very easy to miss yeah and i also i i don't care about live interaction in fact when i listen to podcasts where they do live shows i think those shows are always the worst ones because i don't want to hear the fans talk to them (laughs) what about like so this is a thing that i'm not sure if you're into it but i would say that i have participated but like things like live streaming on like platforms like twitch for instance how about that kind of stuff because i do feel like that kind of stuff is going to be something that can continue to succeed in the future I, I clearly I'm not with it because <laughs> it is a huge thing. I can't deal with it. I can't deal with watching a stream 
and someone keeps pausing every five seconds to thank the people on the stream or just like half answer a question it just it seems like there's like it's only 10 percent of everything it's never one thing being done well mm. okay interesting I remember listening to a podcast with uh, with Matt Goley talking about who we're both huge fans of, who's like a podcast king. Mm. He was talking about how he still he you know people are trying to kind of make podcasts this very strict broadcast kind of thing, but he was really pushing the idea that podcasts is still like the wild west and you can just do whatever you want. If you want a podcast to have a theme song, make a theme song. If you want a podcast to, you know, question something, make it questions like it, you can just do whatever you want because it's still wild and you can do whatever. So it's it's I find that interesting because we're right it feels like we're right at the cusp of podcasting going, you know, in a way mainstream. It's kind of, you know, in the last few years, I think since serial it really became a lot more mainstream. Mm. And it used to be very kind of radio show broadcasty. It's true. And then things have to be different now because you can plan them out and you have to know that people can pause stuff and they're not going to just be, it's not just a radio show. Um, but, wow, we really got off the topic of the Matrix. <laughs> Didn't we? Yeah, I mean. But that's okay. I mean, you know, like, it's definitely, it came out, the trailer came out last week, this week, a week mm, ago. A few weeks ago. A few weeks ago. I, because I would say that, like, that kind of stuff doesn't really pop up on my news feed, so mm. it's hard for me to catch those kind of things. I'm always looking for new trailers. I love trailers. Yeah? Yeah, people hate them, but I love them. I mean, I think that trailers are the way to get me interested in stuff. Unless it's a game, I would say it's very difficult for me to find new content to watch specifically, not play, watch. So I actually do depend on trailers a lot because I'm the type of person where if I don't see the trailer and I'm not interested, I won't know about like mm. the media content. Well, all. trailers, they really like they can. I didn't know that I was going to be so excited for the Matrix movie. I thought it sounded dumb that they were doing a, four matri- a fourth Matrix movie. And then I watched the Matrix trilogy again and I actually, when, you know, the trailer came out and I thought, oh, this looks actually good. And then I watched the Matrix movies again and I actually loved them. So I'm really excited. It's all because just this trailer came out and it was good. It's like how, yeah, I've been on this kick watching Paul Thomas Anderson movies. I mentioned it last time because the trailer for his new movie came out and it was so good that I thought, oh, I'll watch all of his movies again. Mm. I mean, it's good to know that they haven't aged badly. Mm, yeah, and it's interesting watching... I, I do like going on a binge of someone's uh, filmography because it's kind of like... I don't know, you're, you're seeing you're seeing how they've evolved over time. I think Tarantino's got a really fantastic evolution over time and you can really see from his first movie, which is very independent and very independent looking, I mean... To to even then to uh, you know only a few movies in you can see how the cinematography changes and gets so much stronger. Like Pulp Fiction is a fantastic movie, but it looks like a student film. Mm. But then Django Unchained is like, oh well, <laughs> student couldn't make this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, Iris, back to the Matrix. Right. Would you put your brain in a computer? <laughs> I feel okay. So I feel like. It is a yes and a no, definitely a conditions apply kind of scenario. I wouldn't put my, like, I wouldn't clone myself and put myself into a computer and become an AI program. Like, that's something I definitely would not do. But if you told me that 
virtual reality is now me going into cyberspace and cyberspace is now a physical quotation mark physical location that i can enter as like a i don't know oh like you can go into the matrix yeah or like when they go into the internet in futurama yeah yeah, yeah. yes then i would 100 percent do it sign me up <laughs> i'd be too scared i wouldn't do it um i mean but the thing is like i'm i'm like low-key obsessed with that kind of idea of like you know when are we going to go into cyberspace kind of thing like i i, lo- I i'm looking forward to it i don't you think actually, i'm ever going you, to get that in my lifetime you often reference the oasis from ready player one you <laughs> want that i do but like the thing is like i don't want it to be like that <laughs> i don't Why? like I, I think it's like the whole um you love I, back to the future that's full <laughs> of back to the future references i know but i think like in my head right i envision it to be like a like a space of convenience where it's like the typical kind of oh we've run out of space in the real world so now we will go into this virtual space where we have all the space we want we just have to generate it but i'm when i say that i'm not saying yes i would want to go into the matrix and be lied to for my whole entire life i don't think i could do that what if what if you didn't know you were being lied to what if they were like okay you go into the matrix you're cho- you have to choose it now, but once you're in, you don't remember that there is a real world outside of this, and the world in the Matrix is just like your life now, but you're 20% happier. No, I wouldn't do it. 50% happier. No. Oh, so you're pretty happy. <laughs> no, it's more just like I would have to be born into it and not know anything about it. Like, so you I, wouldn't do it? No. Even if I was, even if they said, oh, I could, oh, we'll wipe your memory and you'll never remember it. Just, I couldn't even make the decision to say yes to that at that point to wipe my memory. What if they were like, you can go to the Matrix and it's exactly like your life is right now, but your dog is alive. Ooh. (laughs) And you don't remember that there was a time where you had a dead dog. (laughs) I don't know. No, I still wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it? No, I wouldn't do it. No, well. No, okay. So, like, the thing is, I know because it's me, I would still think that, like, my dog would have a, like, a time period. (laughs) So then I would just be like, oh, he's getting old. Oh, but you'd like to kind of plug in your brain and go and hang out with your dog in there. Oh, yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Would you use a teleporter? Oh, this is a this is. What if and they they they're not explaining how it's done. They're <sighs> like they're like Iris. There is a teleporter. You can go to Hong Kong right now in this teleporter. Are we about to have that conversation about Hong Kong and no, whether or not you want to go? <laughs> are we about to explore my idea of what a teleporter is? Uh, I guess. So for me, a teleporter. There's no way that a teleporter would work. Wow, we're really getting into sci-fi ideas now and explaining our ideas of sci-fi. <laughs> I don't know what happened with our finale. But there's no way this teleporter situation wouldn't work. Uh, would work. Wait, hold on. Let me rephrase this. There's no way a teleporter would work. I mean, for now, right now, with our current technology, there is no way a teleporter would work. But if a teleporter were to exist, there is no way that my current body would not be completely disintegrated and replaced at the place where I am teleported to, which in my opinion, would effectively make me dead. Yeah, I, I agree. that like The only way that a teleporter could work would be if it cloned you somewhere else and then the one that comes out has all of your previous memories but the one that goes in dies. Yeah. 
But for everyone else, that wouldn't make a difference to them. No, because they wouldn't know. If I use the teleporter, to you, I would be the exact same person. Though, that being said, though, it would be a weird back of my head thought if you told me... That I've been replaced. No, you wouldn't even need to tell me if you were like, oh, I teleported from uh, from here to, I don't know, um, Antarctica, and then I teleported back. I'd be like, it, I wouldn't say it, but in my head, I'd be like, oh, Emmett died twice. Emmett <laughs> died twice. <laughs> <laughs> head. Oh, Emmett died twice. It would just like, I don't know. Like It's the same kind of argument, not argument, but it's the same kind of like like thought process that I have sometimes where I think, if my whole entire body was artificially replaced, would I still be me? Question mark. I don't know. It's a very like cyberpunk thing. <laughs> okay. What if they were like, okay, yes, we disintegrate your body and we clone it when we make a tele when we teleport you, but we're gonna put your brain in this computer and then put your brain into things so you didn't your consciousness never ends. The I think the thing is like. I'm convinced that it wouldn't even matter because the person that gets teleported would still have my consciousness. Though that being said, it's kind of interesting if I think about it that like, what if they continued on with my consciousness but they made different decisions or they defected or like changed? I don't know. It's hard to say, to be honest, <laughs> because I feel like I would still not be me. I don't know. Yeah. Like, it's like, I feel like it would just be like, if I was given a new body, it would still be a weird feeling because effectively that's what's happening. Is that like, if they were like, oh, we're going to transfer your brain into a new body, which is like how they would do teleportation. I feel like it would just be like, oh, we're going to just give you a new body. Like, that's kind of what they're saying because... I want to say right here, teleportation and super speed are very different things. I want to put that out there. Well, I'm glad you put that out there. <laughs> Just in case people are like, oh, you know, how about superheroes or whatever. But they're also superheroes are also fake, so whatever. <laughs> superheroes are fake? <laughs> but, okay, what if... So, so but, well, okay, yeah, like what if a company came out and they were like, we've got a teleporter, you can use it, but they don't give any more information. You would assume that it has to be the way that you think, right? Yes. What if they're like, it's not that way? Then I need them to give me a detailed explanation. And they're like, we can't, it's a trade secret. Can't do it, won't do it. They're like, you, you'll you be the same you. It'll be the same you. Can't and then do I it. use won't it do. and I'm the same me. Nah. Uh, but honestly, I'm not that desperate. Yeah. When I was a kid, <laughs> I would have teleported in an instant. I yeah, me been, too. I was desperate to teleport as a kid. I really wanted to do it. But yeah. uh, now I realize that I... Uh, I don't need it. I can just catch a plane. Yeah, it's like I don't, I don't need it. I can catch a business class plane, <laughs> <laughs> and have a lie back, and eat some nice food, and yeah. have a champagne. Uh, but I will give it to my wife because I don't like champagne, <laughs> <laughs> and she loves it. So speaking of futuristic sci-fi stuff, what do you think is the future of media? Oh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like I, I know the answer. And I don't want to say it because... Yeah, because you're anti it. It's not that I'm anti it. It's more just like... You are. I'm being... No, I'm just being like that like old man shouts at cloud thing about it. Logically, in my head, I know there's no reason to not want to be a part of it because I know it's a good idea and I know (laughs) the benefits, but I just like... 
I'm struggling to accept it. We're doing that thing, Iris, that you always do when you start talking about a thing without <laughs> saying what it is. We're talking about the future of media being everything is a subscription. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I get really passionate. But yes, I think <laughs> we are heading towards a world in which everything will become part of a subscription service. And it's inevitable. I understand. I know. And I think... In my head, me of all people especially, I have so many reasons to be a part of it, but I'm living in denial and I it's almost like I want to prolong the traditional for as long as I can. Yeah, I think I think we kind of touched on it last time when we, I, I was talking about how back in the day when you were at the video shop, you didn't have to have a video shop card for every single video shop. They all had the latest Mission Impossible movie. Mm. But now it's like, oh, Mission Impossible... That is owned by Paramount, so I guess that's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. Yes, but it's interesting that you point something like that out because I think back in the day, a subscription service is almost equatable to a library card situation or like a membership card to whatever. I feel like those concepts are similar, but for some reason, I'm just not adapting well. I think it's because there's too many i think the problem is that like at the moment there's too many to choose from and i don't want to be a part of every single one of them but i'm also not quite comfortable with the fact that eventually all these services might be owned by one thing and that means that that one person has monopolized everything i think like it's a weird kind of like thought path that I get to sometimes because at the moment there's just too many options like there's too many different subscription services for like everything basically and I, you know like my common complaint right now is I'm like oh if it's not on Netflix and it's on like I don't know some other service then I don't want to sign up for that service because I already have Netflix but like if everyone if, if one entity was to own every single media thing I feel like that would be quite unfortunate because yeah that would be terrible but that seems to be the thing that everyone is wanting yeah which i yeah so which is like one of those like i obviously am thinking oh my gosh the solution is obviously if one person was just to own everything that i don't have to subscribe to like you yeah know, if, it, different if, if everything was on netflix that would be better yeah but then i also think about things like oh but if everyone was under one umbrella and that person monopolized then there is a lot of room for error because that would introduce things like, you know, whatever that person wants or whatever this company wants, then only that thing will appear. And you wouldn't get new stuff coming out all the time. You'd That's get true. new stuff all based on one schedule yeah, um, rather than 10 schedules. Yeah. I think that it's interesting because, yeah, with these, this streaming wars that we're in, it's kind of, um, it's actually, you know, there's, there's kind of more stuff being made than ever before. I don't know if it means it's all good, but uh, it's... It seems like right now we're kind of in this this phase of all the streaming services are kind of going through their back catalogs and re and, and rebooting shows that they own. Mm. Like um, you know, Paramount Plus has got iCarly, the new season of iCarly. I saw that trailer. Yeah, and Disney Plus were developing a Lizzie McGuire sequel, but they stopped. Or it might not have been for Disney Plus, but but D- Disney owns it anyway. And uh, you know, Netflix, they started it with um, the Arrest Development uh, season four and five and they did full Lure House. And it's interesting because it's kind of like we're, we're kind of getting all these new things, but at what cost? Like what are, you know, a lot of them are bad and a lot of them aren't worth yeah. watching. Some of them are good. 
you know, but it's 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 weird and it's um it's this whole thing just like content is just I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of a it's it's got all these goods and bads because we're kind of now getting more and more this bigger divide of you know I think we're gonna have just more and more that the movies the cinemas will only have the huge 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 films and streaming will have everything under that mm. apart from you know there'll be boutique cinemas that will have smaller stuff but it's because the some of the small stuff needs to play so it can get an Oscars run you know say like Netflix they still need to play it in cinemas it's just there's all these little things it's kind of it's become very obvious I think to the consumer how much of a business it is yeah and I feel like I think that's what part of me maybe is trying to go against is that like I understand the whole indie community kind of situation where it's like, oh, if you're indie, you're generally someone who wants to, you know, dream big and do something different. And I I buy into that kind of idea. But I also understand at my age, at our age, is that like as as an indie kind of developer slash director or whatever you are, you're living the tough life and, you know, you don't know what will happen tomorrow. You don't know if you can put food on the table. Like it's difficult and it's like, especially if like, you know, you want to survive in that culture, it's hard. Whereas if you have a backing from a big company or someone has bought your idea or you're on a team that's with a big company, it's much easier to survive and you don't have to worry about what comes next. But with that kind of being said, you're in a way forcing yourself to make a certain thing or like you're you have to fill a certain criteria. Like those kind of things, like it's they're they're like there's big pros and cons to this situation. And I think that's probably what I think about at the back of my mind when I think about like, do I wanna support every single subscription alive or like mm. just yeah. Like I think it's one of those like we're we're going to head towards that. Because it's different from when we're gr- we were growing up, where like you know, film was like just a just a cinema thing. We would go on the weekends or whatever, or like cheap Tuesdays. But now it's like, oh, we can watch it at the convenience of our house or like wherever. And I feel like stuff like that has changed over time. And streaming is like the answer to like this demand that all of us seem to be having without knowing yeah we've got a hunger for things to be more convenient i think as like humans we're just getting greedy for content or we're just bored i don't know (laughs) yeah i think it's it's interesting how difficult it is for people to subscribe to a new service because i think it's this thing that we all know and that the subscription services know too that we everyone has a tendency to forget to unsubscribe from things oh my goodness okay this is like a like a big thing final fantasy 14 is a game that i used to play basically every day for like two two and a half years maybe and this is like a year ago or maybe more i'm not even sure but it's been a long time since i've like opened that game and it is a monthly subscription and I have not stopped paying. <laughs> yeah. Because I've forgotten. Or like I constantly think, oh, I might go back. I might go back. And I haven't for a year. So yeah, Square Enix is taking my money and I just forget about it. And it's tough because it's like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say I'll recommend something to someone. I'll say, you know, oh, I've been watching The Morning Show on Apple TV Plus and it's really good. You, Iris, I think would be very unlikely to like just, you know, you as an example 
uh, would be very. It's it's tough to get someone to subscribe, even if that's five dollars a month. Mm, because it's I like just just, yeah. just get one month of it, and I just you know just get one month of it and turn it off. But no one will remember to do that. Someone does need to come up with a service that lets you kind of pick and choose what your month will be. Yeah. But I you know no one's gonna make it easy for that to happen. Yeah, I remember I forgot to unsubscribe to eBay Plus, and I ended up paying for two years. I got a trial of e- eBay Plus, and then they like weren't giving me free delivery or whatever, what, what, whatever benefit it was. And then I put went on the help thing with them, and they said, "Oh yeah, we're not going to give you the benefits until you start paying for it." And I was like, "Well, what's the trial?" For? So I cancelled it. <laughs> the, another thing that's really, really frustrating about these streaming services is that even if you get, have them all, you don't have everything. There's still stuff missing from all of them. That's just you know you have to go to a DVD or a Blu-ray or something for, and it's just kind of even stuff that's not on iTunes. But even then, if something's on iTunes, people are so, if you recommend if I recommend you a movie, how likely are you to watch it if it's on iTunes to rent? And okay. that's the way you got to watch it. So I know that renting a movie on iTunes or renting a show on iTunes is actually quite affordable and very cheap, <laughs> but I still won't do it. Yeah, and I don't know why. I'm one of, I think, two people I know that will actually get stuff on iTunes. But that's because I'm not... I'm much more picky with what I'm watching. I'm not happy to just watch whatever's on Netflix. I Mm. I very kind of specifically figure out what I'm going to watch and I watch that. And that is based on recommendations and stuff, but it's less based on what the service is. And I think that's kind of my protest against that stuff is that I'm not content to only watch Netflix shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's super interesting because if we flip the script and we actually look at this from a video game point of view, because video games are also becoming a like a subscription service in a sense. Mm-hmm. With game passes and stuff. Yeah, with like every platform seems to be developing their own game pass or like subscription service or like some sort mm-hmm. of like library or whatnot where you pay like a certain amount and you get access to this library or this catalog mm-hmm. some of them being like you know older games like than what nintendo is doing and some of them being like more recent games like what xbox is doing yeah and sony's got ps now but it's not in australia yeah and sony i mean sony's always had stuff like ps plus yeah and ps plus actually if you have a ps5 and you get PS Plus, you're going to be upset about this, Iris. But um, they, they've got a collection of games that you just get. It's like a huge amount of games that you just get. Let me contextualize this. I've been trying for a year to try and get a PS5, and I cannot get one. I've missed every single drop. I have so many web pages open up dedicated to just refreshing pages, and I still have not had one yet. I got one. I know. <laughs> But yeah, you get a collection of their like best games, you know, for PlayStation. And then and then yeah, yeah, uh, uh Microsoft with Game Pass. Game Pass is an incredible deal right now. Mm. I can't remember how much it is a month, but whatever it is, it's amazing because it also includes EA Play. It includes the EA uh, Game Pass thing as well. Mm. And you get all of Microsoft's first party games day one. It's kind of yeah, it's sort of weird where like I'm in a situation where these things exist yet the only service I have is PS Plus. Well, well, you've got a Nintendo. But yeah, everyone but forgets a, about Nintendo. It's only the online situation. Yeah, which doesn't give me anything except for being able to play online. The Microsoft one is, you know, and there's tricks you can get. You know, you can always get like ways. Well, actually, this is another thing. This is kind of anti-subscription about it. Is um, people often will get PS Plus 
and they'll go and find you know when say at the supermarket you know the sony uh, gift card is on sale people will get a gift card and put that on their account so that they don't have to pay an ongoing subscription it's it's easier to kind of reconcile in your head mm. whereas yeah with like game pass there was a whole trick you could do because they do still do a thing i think where you can convert all of your xbox gold subscription to game pass for like a dollar so if you load up a few years of it and then get it pay for a dollar then it'll be a lot cheaper than getting three years of game pass but microsoft has just added to on top of the game pass thing if you've got game pass you can use xcloud which is their online game streaming service which is basically all of their game pass games i'm pretty sure are available to just play streaming on any platform that can that can stream Mm. which is amazing yeah it's i've i tested it out over the last few days and it's um you know it was pretty laggy here in australia and i've got a relatively good internet like i had a low latency and a high download but uh it was still very laggy in terms of like it just felt like i was kind of like trying to play a game underwater (laughs) you know there's still a long ways i think for that to go but it's still pretty amazing as a as a thing that's just oh i've just got this at a benefit i can play xbox games on my ipad well the thing is like these services are great if you think about them like in a bigger picture but the glaring issue as you've as you've just pointed out for anyone apart from us who lives in the same place but australian internet is our biggest downfall in term, like in this idea and we're never really going to benefit from mm. the overall kind of convenience and all the co- like all the pros if we still have the same internet. Which nothing's going to happen to fix that, so... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've given up on that idea. But I think, like, yeah, like, I think in terms of, like, these kind of live streaming subscription services, I do think that they're, like, actually great. It's just we're never going to benefit from them. Yeah. I think the Microsoft one in particular is just... It is amazing, and you can really kind of start picturing like okay what's the future of xbox is it even an xbox is it you know you could you could potentially move to if, if you just want game pass could you just get uh an x cloud hdmi stick and just plug that into your tv and then you've got a controller and then that could be a lot cheaper than buying a 700 dollar xbox you know well, yeah that's another interesting topic because i mean we've like there's been discussions for a while being like when will consoles die out and obviously, like, that's a really weird thing to think about considering, you know, the next gen is, you know, just coming out. So what are you talking about? But, like, it is a thing that, you know, is happening because consoles mm. aren't changeable, whereas, like, PCs and other kind of services or things that are, like, more convenient or whatever are, you know, they're becoming more popular. Especially when, like, um, like places like Japan, right? Um, where they're slowly realizing that their biggest market is the mobile market and they're kind of in shock that like their biggest market is the western society which is not them even though they're the ones creating the like the hardware yeah well i wonder it feels like the current future the 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 the, the, the near future of of consoles is this thing that started happening in the last generation of consoles getting these kind of little mini revisions that aren't just a hardware then they're not just you know the the playstation slim it's a the ps4 pro and then you know like i i can see that you know potentially the in the ps5 generation there might be you know one two maybe even three different kind of revs that that boost it up a yeah bit. i mean i feel like 
it's sort of weird because um, I've been modding my PlayStations for a while, um, but like modding them how? Like just like adding more memory or like sticking oh, things okay. into it, like things like that, you know. But like with the new PlayStation Five, it's like they're almost basically making it mod friendly. Like they're like they're telling you they're like, oh, you can change the size. These are the things that you can add, add in a hard drive. That yeah. like there's a slot for it. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. Is consoles going to a point where they will become like they will be become things where you can add things to it, or they'll just be like base models and you there's like options to plug in random stuff that will do different things? Yeah, well, I kind of I don't see consoles going away while you've got the console maker owning game developers. It's true. PlayStation's not going away while there's while Sony makes games. It's true. Because where else are Sony games going to go? Though they're now putting them on PC. But I think they're going to find that that's a much lower market than consoles. Yeah. Well, I mean, they use games to sell consoles. Yeah. You know, is there a future where xCloud is an app that you can get on the PlayStation? I don't even know. That seems like a crazy partnership that you just, like, suggested. Or on Nintendo. Because potentially there would be less competition there. Yeah. Honestly, I don't know. Because, I mean... I feel like in terms of this kind of situation, the consoles are like their own entire country and the PC <laughs> is like the world wide west. It's just it's just so fascinating though with with game streaming being it's it's a combination, you know, it's a combination of, of game streaming with game subscriptions because I think like with Stadia and stuff, I'm not so sure what their subscription stuff is, but I'm pretty sure you do just need to buy the games. Mm. So it's like, you know, on Stadia, you can get Cyberpunk and it will, you know, be on, you know, it'll be as if it's running on a hyper machine, but you still have to buy the game. Whereas with xCloud, with Microsoft, if you've got Game Pass, which is a subscription anyway, you've just got all the games and you can just access them all. It just seems a very much more Netflixy and very friendly. Yeah, I I do think it's like one of those situations where if everything does become a subscription service then will physical copies be exclusively just collector's editions sort of stuff like will they just be retcon to like merch type of i'd completely forgotten about physical editions of games because i'm Um, out of the both of us i'm the only person that gets it (laughs) no i get them occasionally if it's if it's far cheaper oh i'm different as in it's like i want the collector's editions yeah, no, I, 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 if if it's if it's not a game that I see myself playing a lot of, and if it's a lot cheaper, then I'll you know look at getting it physical because it's just you know it is more hassle to mm. to have to get a disc. But, but I don't care would, about the collector's edition stuff. But you would do this for the Blu-ray. What you would go out of your way to buy a Blu-ray movie. Oh yeah, depending on the movie. Yeah, if it's a movie that I want to watch in, you know, the best quality in the, you know, the thing, because, you know, any kind of streaming is not going to be at the same bitrate that a Blu-ray is, then yeah, yeah, I'll go out of my way. But it's all personal preference, you know. I prefer movies and you prefer games. Mm. (laughs) It is interesting, like, that even though things are heading towards a subscription, the two of us would still go out of our way to buy a physical copy of something that we like even if it's on a subscription already yeah even if uh, you know there's you know there's a few things that i i own once upon a time in hollywood on blu-ray and i own it on itunes and it's probably somewhere streaming I, it's just that i wanted to experience that in different ways and 
that was that was yeah i i guess yeah that was worth it to me but i think yeah we're kind of going to get to a thing where it's really going to be almost everything is going to be subscriptions i mean you can get coffee on subscriptions now right yeah uh, it's like it's one of those things where like people have actually commented and asked me why i of all people don't have a subscription to coffee mm. but like it's it's one of those like weird things where like i'm just being a traditional for no apparent reason even though i know that i would probably save money on the long run it just feels weird <laughs> yeah you'd have to do the the thing i would probably benefit too but i don't want to do the calculation i don't want to do the maths to find out if it would be cheaper because i don't want to know how much i spend on things yeah it's also commitment i don't want to commit i feel like yeah. i'm getting trapped into something yeah it is it is it's kind of it's oppressive I I I will regularly actually do audits of my um you know what what because you know you can lose track of how many things you're subscribed to, mm. and I'll I'll put them all together and just see like okay I don't need these you know or I do need these or because yeah you're finding that even podcasts now are a subscription through like Patreon and stuff and you know they they'll end up you know if you subscribe to a lot of them it'll cost you a lot of money but your money is now actually going to the creator and that's kind of more directly to them and that's that's not necessarily a bad thing well it's not a bad thing no i think that's like i think stuff like patreon is such a different type of subscription that i forget that they are also technically subscriptions yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you know, hey, maybe season two of um, of this show of Grouch Cushions will be <laughs> under a subscription. Maybe we should just do that. Maybe we should just, without, if we don't get anyone to, to pay us to do it, we should just make a season of the show and put it behind a paywall. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so bleak. Yeah. Yeah, it's grim, isn't it? It is. But, like, I feel like that's kind of the reality of where our society is heading. Yeah. Uh, everything's going to be a subscription. Yeah. So, Iris, it is near the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It's getting towards... I know it's... I mean, it's October now, so people are talking about Halloween, but Halloween doesn't really exist here. So I like thinking from this time about Christmas and something I really like doing at Christmas, which I haven't been able to do, I guess, the last couple of years, is play board games with family. Mm, I see, are I see. you much of a board game person are you much of a card game person no i am not i feel like i personally get very frustrated when i play board games because i'm not a very competitive person so i'm okay. Yeah, so I feel like I have to force myself to be competitive when I'm playing a lot of board games. Oh, because they can take a long time. It's like you have to stay invested, yeah. Yeah, so then I, like, not only do I get just, like, mentally drained, but I get more and more annoyed, or I get very, like, nervous when other people get competitive and I'm not and I feel like I should be, or, like, (laughs) I don't don't want to be, like, I don't want to appear like someone who's just, like, I don't mind if I lose, I don't really care... But, like, it is one of those internal struggles where I'm like, oh, I just want everyone to have fun together. I don't want us <laughs> to fight. I had one time uh, a few years ago, me and my wife had uh, a couple of friends, of, uh, mutual friends of ours, Iris. We had them round for dinner and to play board games. So we played Monopoly and 
we didn't know that the um that the guy was so competitive oh. and so me and um uh other friend at some point we just gave up we just walked away <laughs> from the table and then my wife felt like she had to keep playing because he was so competitive and it's, oh i know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about that's so it was, funny it was just it was it was really like oh wow i'm seeing another side of this person that's so that's competitive so about monopoly and the, the problem with monopoly is that it goes for ever and is the worst mm. but yeah i don't know I've, i found in the last few years i kind of really got into board games and uh got it got more into them i guess and 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 started kind of really trying to find you know good and unique and, and interesting board games i, I don't know I, fi- I find like it's a it's a thing that as children you only get to play specific boring games yeah you only play monopoly you know or you or you only play the game of life or something yeah. like that well, I am an only child, so a lot of sort of board gamey things that I got growing up were single player things. Ah. So I had a very different perspective growing up. So I generally lean towards things that, like, you know, are cooperative. So if I want to enjoy this board game experience, I need to play a game where we're playing against the board or something yeah interesting because yeah i haven't played too many cooperative games but i do love D. yes actually yeah uh i used to run a DD game but that being said i get very nervous because i understand that i get very intense about simple things like collections and hoarding and i <laughs> feel really bad if i feel like i'm holding back the people I'm playing with by trying to investigate too much. Oh, and that's a really cooperative game, really. Yeah, but I also feel like maybe it's like sometimes there are like maybe it's just a bad combination or like I'm the odd one out or something, I don't really know. Um, but sometimes it's like, oh, I want to try and investigate this current place that we're in in more thorough detail where other people might try to be moving on. So then like in that kind of case I'm like, oh, I need to I need to think of the team. Okay, let's let's move on even though I'm curious, but it's fine. <laughs> but I do feel like in terms of board games, it's almost like internally I feel like it's a shame that I'm not as into them as I could be because I do feel like in terms of just like mechanics-wise, I pick up rules quite quickly and I think it's because Oh, I think mainly because, like, I play so many video games that they tend to just kind of bleed through. Mm -hmm. But that does not mean I'm good at them. It just means that I'm, like, quicker to pick up rules and, like, how things work. That that is really good because I I hate reading rule books of new board games. In fact, I really... I love board games, but I I really find it difficult to have a first play session of a board game. I've got a few board games I haven't played, like a few that I haven't played, because it just you've got to kind of burn that first session playing. Mm. There's also there's board games I've got that I've played many times of, and there's still rules I don't understand. There's a Star Wars game called Star Wars Rebellion that is this enormous game. It takes up like the whole table. You basically like one side plays as the Empire, one side plays as the Rebellion and it takes all day to play it. And there's certain rules about certain aspects of that game that I just do not understand. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's the thing with like um, new board games is that if no one has played it and you all have to try and investigate and read the rule book, you are essentially wasting that first session yeah it's kind of a thing of if you're hosting a board game night you you should do the due diligence of 
learning the game and not just learning the game, but learning it in a way that you can explain it easily to someone. Because I'm also bad at explaining how a game works. Mm. There's a game I love called uh, Camel Up where basically it's it's you everyone plays as people betting on a on a on a camel race. And it's just fun. It's so much fun. And the camels can stack on top of each other. It's just really great. And it's like, oh, I, I bet that, you know, blue camel's going to win. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. That game is so much fun. And you never know. It's so exciting. You never know who's going to win. Also, I, I didn't, I never played much, many card games when I was a kid. Did you? I think, oh, uh, I mean, like, I never really got into, once again, I'm an only child, so it was difficult. Um, and I, you know, didn't we get it. Have... We get it. You're an only child. <laughs> I also didn't really hang out with my friends outside of school. So I didn't really, like, get into many, like, of those kind of games. But I always, like, the only card games that I played were just, like, from normal playing cards. Hmm. Yeah, like yeah. Typical, like, like, you know, Old Maid, Big Two. Yeah, so I never kind of actually learned any of those games until really i was you know 18 or 19 and and my wife's family is really into cards and my wife's into cards and now i love i mean i love games like 500 that's like my favorite game it's nice playing that with my wife and her parents but yeah it's kind of a thing of that it just wasn't much of a thing in my family Mm. but i was thinking about it recently about um wow i think we take it for granted how much Microsoft revolutionized Solitaire because I can't imagine a more boring game to set up and play for real with cards. I think the huge kind of difference is that in the computer, it's programmed to know when the last possible move has been made. Yeah, yeah. There's, it, it, I'm t- yeah, it's revolutionary. It just, it's like, oh, wow. And the fact that you just press a button and it restarts it. There's things that computers can make things so much better. And it, sound, it sounds like a really stupid example, but Solitaire, it's turned it from a terrible game in real life to uh, a pretty satisfying and great fun game. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's also, like, basically free. Did you play Solitaire as a kid? Not in real life. No, 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 on the computer. Did you play on the computer? yeah. Because I tried, but I never... No one ever explained the rules to me, and I never understood it. And (sighs) it wasn't until I got an iPod Nano. Remember, iPods had games on them? Mm. It had Solitaire on it. And because it was an iPod, it was... you couldn't it wasn't you know you weren't using a mouse so it had you know really restrictive like basically you could only move stuff to where you could move it and so i learned solitaire by playing it on my ipod nano all the time (laughs) and i loved it it was great i love that thing oh i wish i had an ipod nano again oh man it would have been so hard to use the scroll wheel oh that this could be a whole nother episode of the podcast but i love the scroll wheel on the ipod nano Really? <laughs> yeah, and and then I, I th- those scroll wheels on the iPods were so good until I think it was the last generation one. I hated the scroll wheel; it, f- it felt terrible. It didn't scroll right. Yeah, ugh. <laughs> I really liked that that iPod. You know, you, I've told you about how I collect old iPods. Yeah. I really liked that iPod Nano from a few generations later that had the really tall screen. <laughs> it was yeah, such a good yeah. idea because the iPod UI was just a list. Yeah. It was like, oh, how should we? How can we make this thing better that's just a list? Oh, make the screen taller so we can see more of the list. We don't have to go into it, but I just, I love iPods. But <laughs> well, on the topic of board games, I think it is a good time to be discussing them because we're on, you know, we're on this weird time frame where restrictions are about to lift for us yeah we're going to be allowed to see each other again and i think board games is something that 
will probably become a bigger deal. Yeah, and card games. Yeah. Well, especially now that, like, you know, we're not allowed to do much, but we're allowed to have, like, small picnics and kind of, that kind of thing. So I think, like, mm. board games that are short or card games are going to be a lot bigger. Yeah, or, or at least if they're not bigger, they should be. People should take advantage of that because it's a different way of hanging out with people. I mean, what games would you recommend playing at a picnic? Like, I kind of feel like board games can be tough for that. Board games are tough because I'm assuming your not gonna take Monopoly. picnic involves food. And, like, you don't want to get food on the board because, you know, you've got to clean that up. Whereas yeah. card games, you can generally hold that in one hand. Yeah, and depending on the game it could be yeah like if i mean big two would be a good good one yeah well there are also board games that are just like that don't have boards and are just cards yeah the um, monopoly deal is a card game of monopoly that's i think probably better than monopoly that's uh that'd be another good one 500 Mm. if you got four people but only four people Mm. well i mean at the moment we can only hang out in like what groups of four anyway oh yeah (laughs) um but yeah it's uh it's interesting i wonder um you know, I wonder if people are going to be playing Pandemic at their picnics. Ah, see, that's a game that I really like, so... Yeah, do you feel like it's changed at all now that, um, you know, it's happened? Um, I mean, it hasn't Are you changed... itching to play it again? Uh, it, it definitely hasn't changed my viewpoint of the, of the board game. But I do think about things where, like, I think it's sort of funny where even if I was to play Pandemic, the board game, right now... There is no way in any situation where me, Iris, the, you know, the normal person would ever be able to contribute as a scientist or a doctor in this kind of situation. So it's nice to imagine that, To feel like you're helping. Yeah, it's nice to imagine that I could, you know, use my powers to help. I don't know. That's a cooperative game, isn't it? It is. You're playing against the board. Is that why you like it? Yeah, I think I work better in these kind of like, teamwork kind of situations because i i just get less stressed i think iris you've uh, almost got a master's in games why don't you make a board game have you thought about it before i have but board games are tough i think yeah. like i think the concept of you know making something fun that's replayable that looks good that you know it can be portable and like it's not copying someone else that also the rules are balanced yeah it's like a balanced game but it's actually quite difficult so, like, to people that are making them, it's, like, a huge shout-out. I remember playing this indie board game, like, ages, ages, ages ago, and it took a while to actually understand the Like, it took a good, like, 45 minutes of the person that made the game trying to tell us how to play it. Mm. And, like, after that, it was, like, it was one of the best board games I've ever played because the situation was just so crazy. But, like... It kind of made me think that, like, oh, you know, man, like, these things are tough to make because you could you could write something, but you actually have no control over how the people end up playing it. Like, maybe they yeah. can misinterpret the rules and they just never play it right. But maybe they'll play it better. Yeah, or maybe they'll just make up their own game from it. Like, you never know. I think, um, yeah, there's another thing to board games that I haven't mentioned is that I just like them. Like, just I like the boxes and I like when they've got... Yeah, and they've got not when they're really like the tactileness of them, and the and I really like when there's like a, a board game that's got wooden pieces, mm. and or they've got really good design. There's just like I, I'll like I like going into 
shops like there's like uh the shops that have board games you know and and just kind of looking at the board games and just seeing like ones that oh i haven't heard of this one or or things like that and, and there's a lot that are like you know oh i'm not interested in that at all i don't understand what monopoly is doing with all of their licensed monopoly boards I, I find it very interesting looking at the licensed Monopoly boards and seeing what they do because a lot of the time they don't even bother with the whole trying to translate it to being places from yeah. things. Like it's like the one for The Hobbit, it's like uh, probably not a good example. I assume they probably do use the real places, but it's like usually it's like instead of it being, you know, for say like Lord of the Rings, instead of saying, you know, oh, Mount Doom, it'll just be like bilbo it's like okay i own bilbo you owe me (laughs) rent because you came and sat on bilbo it doesn't make any sense (laughs) no i did yeah no i i understand but it apparently works because there's a licensed monopoly board of everything yeah well that's it's kind of weird because like it's like monopoly itself is just such a strange concept that has just translated and has survived all this time yeah it's crazy it's like the first game anyone remembers yeah i i kind of i felt like um when i first played settlers of Catan, it was like an eye-opening experience for me where it felt like oh this is like the next level of what kind of you know monopoly is like monopoly is like beginner level game where you kind of start learning how game mechanics are board game mechanics are and then settlers of Catan was like oh this feels intermediate you're now getting the next thing and um i really i thought that was cool and then there's there's other games that I've played that like there's a game called Imperial Settlers that feels like almost like an ex- uh, the next thing from Settlers of Catan. It's kind of it's like Settlers of Catan where it's a oh, what's the word? It's a it's like a game where you generate resources and stuff, but you're playing with specific characters that have specific moves. Mm. And I think that's um that's really interesting finding stuff like that. What do you think will happen now going forward? Do you think people will actually get into board games because i feel like board games as an industry kind of started blowing up in the recent few years yeah that's what i thought too i mean i guess you never know but i would like them to keep going because it's kind of you know there's nothing like them Mm. like i feel like the board game community was definitely flourishing without the rest of us but i feel like it just got mainstream Oh, you know what's been huge for board games is Kickstarter. That's true. I actually own two board games off Kickstarter. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I think there's kind of, that's one of those things where it's like, well, yeah, I'll back this because I'm getting something real. Mm. It's so much harder to back something that's just like a a digital item that you'll get in return. Mm. I mean, it depends now because I feel like in terms of those digital items, I'd only really back them if, you know, there's like a lot of community behind it and I really, really am invested in the idea. Whereas like, you know, a board game, it's hard to fail. Yeah, if you can get people to see it then. And there's, you know, there's also other things like um, there was a thing on Kickstarter recently, uh, a role-playing, tabletop role-playing game based on Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh. That, of course, immediately got huge, 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 huge. Of course, Avid is such a darling. Yeah, everyone loves it. And that actually sounds fun. That sounds really fun to play. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see, like, like is there, is there such a thing as innovation in the board games? I think there is, honestly. Yeah. I think board games has such a huge way to grow and it doesn't, it's not confined to being anything. I think the difference between, like, a video game is that, like, a video game, sure, it's like, there's, like, a kind of, a criteria of what it 
needs to be to become a video game. Whereas a board game, you can really draw on anything. You can you can create anything. There's no real like set rules of what you have to be to be a board game. As yeah. long as like you know the rules and mechanics work and that it's balanced, it could be a board game. Yeah, it could be timeless. Yeah. I think um there's kind of a there's actually you know I feel silly that I asked asked that question considering it was only in the last few years. I feel like the um those those social deduction games really exploded as well, like Werewolf. Mm. I know they've been around for a long time, but it feels like they really blew up in the last few years to the point that there was a movie made of Werewolf this yeah. year. Yeah. But yeah, I uh I guess I'm now going to start getting those games that are like um instead of having Ticket to Ride, which I love. I loved. Have you played Ticket to Ride? Is that the one where you're trying to get coal? No. No, no, it's like you're you own a train line and you're trying to build your train line from this city to that city in America or in no. whatever country. I mean, I've probably played a video game that's like that. <laughs> but um instead of that, I'll I guess I'll be getting games like uh my first train journey, things like my first monopoly, you know, now that oh, I've got a baby. True. <laughs> so, you know, I'll be playing the very early early age games now. You mentioned D&D before. Have you ever played Talisman? Because I feel like that that is the closest to a, a board game of D&D you could get. Because it's, it's just kind of like very fantasy. And it's I thought that was a really fun game. I played that with a couple of friends for a while. I feel like I've seen this at the shops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's different versions. They're now starting to do the Monopoly thing where you can get different versions of Talisman. You can get like Batman Talisman and you can get Kingdom Hearts Talisman. <laughs> it's so weird. I do feel like... Um... I wish that I was more into board games like this and like things like um, like Magic the Gathering and things like that. Oh, I would I would love to be into Magic the Gathering. But I feel like it's like already at that like it's too late for me kind of situation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I also I it's kind of like it's it's just it's always a true thing that licensed games are never fun. <laughs> like licensed video games were uh... always bad, and licensed board games feel like you know like. Are you more likely to pick up a game? Like, if you're at a board game shop and there was, like, The Simpsons board game or, like, any other board game, would you pick up The Simpsons one? No. Unless it was, yeah. like, a, unless it was like a very unique kind of game. Yeah. Where it's, like, oh, you know, The Simpsons has, like, come out with this board game and it's crazy and it's, like, so different. Then maybe I might be interested. But if it's, like, Simpsons versions of Cluedo... Uh, yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just going to be references to. Yeah, things. it's like oh, I, don't, I already own Cluedo. Yeah, I've got a, I've got an idea for a board game that's kind of like Cluedo. Again, I'm not going to share my ideas with you, audience, because <laughs> <laughs> this is a good idea. <laughs> I do feel like though, if it was like my favorite, favorite ever kind of characters from something, and it was like a collector's edition, I might consider it. Yeah, like it's one of those. Um, if it was like. A chessboard. I honestly, I don't really play chess, but I like the look of it aesthetically. Yeah. If it was like a set of something that I really like, and there was like a chess, like a glass chess piece, some like kind of set, then yeah, I would totally buy it. I had a chessboard um, that was like a teach, learn how to play chess thing, where you know it had on the pieces it had what their moves are. Oh. And it smelled really good. It was a really nice smelling. Oh, that's scent. not what I thought you were gonna say. It smelled like like I don't know like white chocolate or something. It was really delicious smelling, and I just loved smelling that board. I remember. <laughs> so this is like not really relevant, but I remember the very first time I learned how to play chess was on a video game, 
it was like the Lego chess video game or something. And I could never learn how to play it because the computer I was running it on at that time was so bad that the game would just crash. Hmm. So I didn't learn how to play chess until I was like, I don't know, 11, 12. Yeah, chess is one of those things that I kind of feel like everyone should learn it as a kid. Yeah, I I think I had to join a club at school to learn it. I wanted to join a club at school because I liked chess, but they were really um kind of snobby in my school. Oh. They were just kind of rude. There's also games that I like, like Cluedo. I do like playing Cluedo, but <laughs> I don't like playing it with my wife because she's really good at it. <laughs> she's the kind of person that every time something's happening, she's writing stuff down and it's like, but how are you? It's not your turn. Why are you, <laughs> why are you figuring it out now? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm the same, but I feel like the paper that I'm given is never enough space <laughs> for me to write things down. So I just get frustrated. I've tried to figure, like, I don't know what stuff to write down, so I'm trying to figure out what to write down by just writing down everything. Like, uh, oh, uh, Iris showed someone something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can't figure out what that is. Oh, my goodness. No, I think, like, um, Cluedo is probably one of the only games that I actually quite enjoy, even though it's, like, a competitive experience. But I, like, I think I like the fact that it's, like, there's, like, other aspects. Yeah, well, it's just the, the deduction of it makes you feel smart, you know? Yeah, and I'm not We've a very this... smart person, so... <laughs> My family's got this one that's like a fake Cluedo that's Harry Potter. It's like not Cluedo. It's like mystery in the dungeons. Oh, but it's like mystery exactly like Cluedo. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly like Cluedo, um, but it's fun. It's really fun. <laughs> I think um, there was like, I have a really fond memory of Cluedo, actually. I remember like I was I was away for um, the weekend a bit with like some of my friends and we like hired out this like really cool destination where we like stay in a train and everything like it was like a decked out train kind of thing um and we were playing cluedo by the campfire not the campfire the 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 fireplace and like i don't know what it is but it's like things like that it's like it's so endearing that like memories Mm. like that it's like oh like like sometimes because of memories like that i would look at like different I can't believe it, but I would look at different license sets and be like, oh, that seems like a good set. Yeah, yeah. it's um, There's something nice about board games that you can't quite replicate. Yeah. So I think I would love them to get big again after COVID. Like, I, I think it, there is a perfect opportunity because it is a thing of like, hey, you can do something with family that's not just talking to them because no one wants to talk to their family. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess we're... um. Coming up on Christmas, and Santa's going to be coming soon, and that's really exciting. <laughs> I mean, it's that season. Like, it's not just Christmas. I mean, we don't really celebrate it in Australia, but like Thanksgiving is probably coming up as well. And like, yeah. you know, some people want to celebrate Thanksgiving in Australia, even though we don't yeah. have it. It's. I mean, we effectively have that same meal at Christmas time here. Mm, they just get two. I have previously, I think, on a Thanksgiving, just like to practice cooking a turkey because I've, you know, not cooked turkey that much. I've done a Friendsgiving. Oh, yeah? Yeah, they're pretty fun. So I guess, yeah, it's um, it's coming to the end of the episode, I suppose, and we're coming to the end of the year. It's almost Halloween and then it'll be almost Christmas. Mm. I would recommend to any listeners to watch the movie Halloween. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's such a good movie, the first one. It's so good. And then, uh, you know, what would be your... Do you watch any movies around seasons, Iris? I don't. So, you know oh. how everyone it does the whole, what is your favourite Christmas movie kind of thing? Yeah. I don't really have one. I'm not really picky. 
But that being said, I will say that I have a tradition that I only started three years ago, so it's not really a tradition. That's a tradition. But I will watch a food documentary around Christmas time. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's always around Christmas time when everyone's like um, getting into that kind of stuff. I always need to watch some kind of food documentary. I've, in the last few years, been watching Paddington around Christmas time. I actually can't remember if those movies are set at Christmas, but they feel like such Christmas movies anyway. Yeah. They probably are. There's probably scenes at Christmas, but they they just kind of represent Christmas to me. I love the Paddington movies so much. So I'm very much looking forward to watching them this year. And Halloween this month. Mm. (laughs) Maybe watch the whole Halloween series. There's like, what, 12, 13 movies? There'll be a new one coming out? Yeah, it's like rebooting. Yeah, it's the second time they've done it. Well, it's actually like the third or fourth time they've done it. So so Halloween came out and then Halloween 2 was a sequel and then Halloween 3 was not related and then Halloween 4, 5 and 6 were like sequels to 2 but in their own timeline and then 7 and 8 are sequels to 2 again in a new timeline. And then there was, I think, the Rob Zombie two movies, which are their own movies. And then now there's the two new movies, which are sequels to Halloween 1. It's really weird. Look up the timeline of Halloween. It's weird. It's fun, though. I feel like Halloween is, like, almost at this stage, like a better structured version compared to (laughs) Fast and Furious. (laughs) And your favourite actor, Iris, is in uh, Halloween 6. Who? And he's very young. Paul Rudd. Oh, I, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Paul he's Rudd's really young. Halloween? Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers, I think. Wow. Oh, yeah. Iris, are there any Christmas games? Um, Let me look it up. I guess Kingdom Hearts has got the Halloween Town sections. And actually, in Kingdom Hearts 2, isn't it Halloween Town at Christmas time? Yeah, but I don't know if I would consider... But that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah, it's a bit <laughs> of a stretch. I feel like in terms of, like video games i guess like maybe it's just a personal thing but i do tend to get quite nostalgic around christmas new year's time and i feel like christmas new year's is probably the time where i start to like look through my backlog and it's like oh what what haven't i played recently that i like to revisit is that just because you've got more time off Maybe. I think it works out to be like that, where I like, um, because everyone goes on holiday, that I'm like, oh, I mm. finally can like kind of relax and not think of anything. But I would say like, in terms of Christmas video games, I think it definitely changes every year. But I do know that like my kind of, oh, actually, this is really embarrassing. And I think it's, but I think it's really funny, is that me and my friend who, I don't know like why, but we have We've had an accidental tradition where we play this game called Satisfactory until like 4am from like Christmas Day to Boxing Day and we don't realise it until we look at the save files and we go, oh my goodness, we've done this every year for Christmas (laughs) and it's like, it's the saddest thing but like, we, like, it's it's not sad because we have like the best time doing it and we just like do stupid things in the game but I, I guess that's my Christmas game is satisfactory. (laughs) (laughs) But I do feel like, yeah, I generally get very nostalgic and I'd like to go through older games that, you know, I haven't played or I haven't finished. And I'll just go through them and I just try and like tickle the boxes or like... Tickle the boxes? No, like things like, you know, getting any (laughs) extra achievements or like getting any like trophies or anything like that. 
that's that's kind of like my thing with video games. Whereas, mm. like, I mean, I can understand if someone's like, like, I I think the other kind of thing it would be, I guess, like multiplayer games or like party games. I guess would be more popular during the Christmas season. Oh uh, yeah, I feel that like makes sense. Super Smash is generally like the like the Christmas game that you get out when you have your friends over. <laughs> I um. I hate to say it, Iris, but I feel like we're really at that point of the of the episode where we're kicking the dust because we have to leave, where we're walking home from school and it's like, uh, oh, yeah. I've got to go this way, you've got to go that or way. Or like we're standing at like the um, at the, the doorway <laughs> and like I'm about I'm to open the, the door. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, I guess I guess I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I feel sad that we're ending this. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this has been so rambly. This episode. Yeah, I'm. I feel like this is going to be an extra long episode. And I feel like the listeners who listen are extra great fan, fan extra great fans. Yeah, that or, or you're friends. probably just like sick of us now, and you're yeah, or you're my wife, and I've asked you to listen to it a few <laughs> times and just give me ideas for names of the episode. Though I think we've got a name for this one already. Yeah, <laughs> but like I feel like you know it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, it has been fun. It's been stressful at times. Oh, yeah. You've had a whole life thing happen. <laughs> and, yeah, it's been fun. And I really want to thank you. Not you, Iris, because I don't like thanking you. It feels weird. But thank <laughs> you, the listener, for listening. Message me. Message Iris if you if you liked it or if you want to chat. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> like a thing that we never spoke about. Um, we do have social media for those that don't know. So if you know if you if you just want to chat about something in depth that you don't think you know you had the opportunity to talk talk about or you want to hear our, our opinion on something yeah. reach out to us we're pretty like the issue is that we might ramble if it's something that we just like happen to be very passionate about. Yeah, ask Iris about Final Fantasy VII. Gosh, <laughs> I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> she won't do it on air, but she'll do it forever. <laughs> if you open the box, it's over. Yeah. But yeah, like you know, reach out to us and invite us for dinner if you want to have a conversation <laughs> with us. Yeah, it has to be together, and we um will will negotiate a payment. <laughs> It's, uh, I, I imagine, Iris, that we'll at least do some maybe sporadic episodes here and there because I actually have been really enjoying this and I think when we have an idea for something, we should record it. Mm. But this might be uh, a goodbye for a while to the listener. I really don't know how to end this. How do we end this? Um, I Generally, I don't know, but maybe... Um... Oh, for our listeners who have listened in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So this isn't, I don't want people to think it's like some sort of boast or anything. It's it's like just, okay, but we've, we've planned a special surprise. If you've listened this long to, you know, uh, however many hours we've made of this, uh, we just wanted to put a little special surprise for people. Now we've talked about, now this relates to COVID because <laughs> this is, um, we've talked about my delusional music that I've been making uh, as a COVID project. And this is really, it's such a COVID project. It's such a, like, I am stuck in my home and so I don't know what to do. I'm singing along to music. So how about I just record myself singing along to music and then record myself singing every part of a song uh, while my wife sits there next to me doing her work and laughing at me. And so, um, yeah. I want to say before we say anything is that, like, I have heard quite a lot of 
this like of these recordings because there's one of those things yeah yeah every single time Emmett sits in my car he will forcefully yank (laughs) my music off and plug in his phone and immediately start playing his new recordings and I just have to listen to it I don't really have a choice now I know it's silly okay (laughs) it's it's just fun and I would recommend everyone giving it a go it's easy to do you just record it pretending that you are all the instruments but uh I'll put it at the end. We'll do the disclaimer. But then if you stick around after the little disclaimer thing, you're going to hear uh, a song. I hope it's the one I'm thinking of. Uh, it's probably. The, that's it. Yeah, it's my <laughs> favorite song. But yeah, um, I guess. This is the real one. What? This is the real farewell. This is the real farewell, I guess. Um, bye, Iris. Bye, Emmett. <laughs> This podcast was funded through the Victorian Government's Culturally and Linguistically Diverse Youth Content Campaign. Thanks for listening and stay safe and healthy. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. He'd let us in. He knows where we've been in his octopus's garden in the shade. I asked my friends to come and see an octopus's garden with me. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. We would be warm below the storm in a little light away beneath the waves. Resting our head on the seabed in an octopus's garden near a cave. We would sing and dance around because we know we can't be found. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. We would shout and swim about the corals that lies beneath the waves. Oh, what joys for every girl and boy, knowing they're happy and the same. We would be so happy, you and me. No one there to tell us what to do. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden with you. In an octopus's garden with you. In an
octopus's garden with you. Diddly doo, diddly doo, doo.